Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the criminally contemptuous edition. This week, we're explaining what's in a controversial bill to change how Ohio's kids learn about history. Whether a bill about bathroom access for transgender students has a chance at becoming law, why an attorney wants Ohio's auditor to apologize, and what is making craft brewers unhappy. Joining me this week is State House Bureau Chief Anthony Shoemaker. Hey, Anna, how's it going? And if this sounds a little off or not quite up to the quality we normally have, our office is in the process of moving and our podcast studio is all packed up and this was the best we could do. Right. We'll be back to our regular audio excellence next week. Yeah. So our first topic is bathrooms, specifically bathrooms students use when they're in school. A bill introduced this week by House Republicans would require students in both K-12 through and college to use the bathroom that matched their sex at birth. And it would prohibit students from sharing overnight accommodations with the opposite sex. Bathroom bills aren't a new thing nationally, but this is the first time we saw one in Ohio. Yeah, I mean, we've seen them pop up in states like North Carolina, which where there's made a lot of news several years ago because it impacted, you know, some sporting events coming to the state. There were some boycotts. Uh, as far as the Ohio bill goes, 19 other House Republicans have already um, signed on to the legislation. Yeah, and now it would allow schools and universities to offer single-use facilities for students, and it wouldn't apply to children under 10 being assisted by a family member or someone helping someone with a disability, but, you know... LGBTQ groups say this is going to make the life of trans children a lot harder. And then there's some questions just about how the bill would work, like the sharing overnight accommodations piece, right? Right. I think overnight trip in high school, right? Like when you're in like eighth grade and you go to Washington, D.C. or that fun stuff. But, you know, there's also dorming in college where, you know, you can choose your roommates. Sometimes there are married couples that choose to have like on-campus housing. Like, I don't know how that would impact those particular types of issues. Maybe that's something that will come out during the committee process. Another question I think it raises is how how will colleges work as far as visiting uh, universities, you know, um, because this new law would impact locker rooms as well. Yeah, well, that's one of the, some of the pushback that South Carolina saw, and they ultimately ended up walking back part of it because there was a lot of, like, NCAA tournaments and other, like, colleges from other states were like, yeah, we're just not coming anymore. Right. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our second topic is social studies. 
Ohio is considering another controversial bill about schools, but this one deals with what students learn in class. So Republican Representative Don Jones says he's worried kids aren't getting the basics in American history, government, and civics. He wants to rewrite the state's social studies standards using um, material provided by a group called American Birthright. Yeah, the, the name of the organization just sounds odd to me. Well, they have a laundry list of things. It's a very specific set of standards that lists like all the little facts that they would like students to know. They do also list uh, former President Donald Trump's 1776 project as being a good resource. So that gives you sort of the ideological leaning of American birthright. Um, But one of the things that they put down is skills learning. So this is civic engagement learning. Um, You know, there's a whole host of skills that are in the current uh, state standards for social studies. And it's everything from financial literacy to critical thinking skills to civic engagement skills. And, you know, social studies teachers from across the state have said this is such a critical part of what we teach it engages students like um there's like ap government classes where they have to pick an issue and they have Mm. to learn about it and sometimes they come down to the legislature and they lobby on things that are important to them they sort of learn how to be engaged citizens and the american birthright project um sort of says that this kind of learning is a distraction from the facts that students need to know. Um, There's this concern that apparently it's creating like woke activists out of our children. That seems to be the genesis of it. So they um, are de-emphasizing skills. Right. And of course, there's also going to be concerns about how they teach, you know, controversial subjects like uh, slavery and the Holocaust and all that sort of thing. Yeah, Don Jones was pretty explicit that he um, doesn't like the 1619 Project. He thinks it's like historical fiction. And then if you are going to teach it, you need to teach it as like a very opinionated view and not fact. So there's like, he's talked about concerns about CRT, which we hear a lot in the culture war conversations Mm -hmm. we've been having. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what eventually shakes out of this statewide standard review Our third topic is also about schools because it was a really big week for public education. This particular dust-up deals with a lawsuit over whether the state's voucher program is constitutional. So about two years ago, 100 public school districts sued the state saying the EdChoice scholarship programs violated the constitutional guarantee to fund a common system of public schools. That's what the state constitution says. They say common system means single system. That's what the court's going to decide, right? So the case is still being litigated and subpoenas have started to go out. And the group suing says that's where things started to go off the rails. So in March, Vouchers Hurt Ohio, that's the group, um, notified Senate President Matt Huffman they were going to subpoena him in this case. He's a big supporter of school choice, if you don't know, and he's a key player in a lot of the major expansions of vouchers in recent years. So his lawyer is arguing back and forth on whether he's going to be deposed, you know, normal court case stuff. But when the Senate started writing its budget this spring, or its version of the budget, Huffman asked his chief legal counsel to find out how much money schools are spending on this lawsuit and other litigation that challenges state laws. So that guy, so not Matt Huffman directly, but his chief legal counsel called the state auditor's office and said, hey, can you survey schools and find this out? So the auditor, Keith Faber, said, sure. He sent out a survey request this week. And then the schools involved in this lawsuit said, this is witness intimidation. Right. They are not happy about this. The survey went out to about a thousand fiscal officers at public schools and education service centers all around the state asking them to provide the records by June the 2nd, which is not long because, you know, it's a holiday weekend coming up. So 
they are not happy about this. Yeah, they told their member the districts um, that are in Vouchers Hurt Ohio, they advised them not to participate in the survey. They wrote a very strongly worded email to the state attorney. So the attorney general's office is the one that handles lawsuits against the state and said that Auditor Faber needed to apologize and rescind the survey or they were going to the judge in this case to ask that the state be held in contempt, which is like, I mean, that's a pretty big word to throw around. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, if the judge held the state in contempt, contempt if the judge agreed and I'm not saying she will I have no idea how the judge is going to rule in this case I'm not taking a position I want to be perfectly clear but it would be a really big deal to hold the state of Ohio in contempt or to argue that this was some form of witness intimidation our fourth and final topic is beer good topic so Craft brewing has taken off in Ohio, and the brewers say it's time for some legal changes. Basically, what you need to know is that if you want to get your beer into, say, a Kroger, you can't just go sell it to them directly. For the most part, you need a relationship with a distributor. And so most craft brewers go to distributors who then sell a variety of craft beers to Kroger. They're like the middlemen in this process. And what they say is they're really frustrated with something called a franchise law. So this was written decades ago, and it says that breweries that want to partner with a distributor must enter into a written agreement with that company, and these contracts can only be broken if a party provides just cause for termination or one of them enters into bankruptcy. And so the brewers are saying the distributors have too much power in this current configuration. Right. It's hard for them to get away from them once they're they're in with them. And a lot of the small brewers, they don't have the power to distribute themselves. And the, the stores don't want to deal with a lot of ind- independent breweries anyway. Yeah. So the um, distributors say that these contracts are fair and they're not impossible to cancel. They say that you when you write the contract, you can define what, quote, just cause looks like. And so there's some back and forth and we'll have to kind of see who wins this one. But, you know, it's interesting that as craft brewing has sort of exploded in popularity in the last 10 to 15 years that, you know, there is that question of like, do these laws that were written before this industry really came up, like, do they fit the industry as it looks now? Yeah, there are so many craft brewers now compared to, you know, a decade ago. And one more thing before you go. There's an ongoing manhunt in Ohio for a convicted murderer who escaped from a prison near Lima this week. So if you're in the area, Bradley Gillespie, who's 50, was incarcerated on a murder charge and him and another inmate broke out. The other guy has been caught, but Bradley is still on the loose. And if you're wondering why I'm telling you about a prison break on a podcast about state politics, well, Gillespie had a nearly 27-hour head start. Yeah, that's a long time to not know that a pris- two prisoners have escaped uh, a state prison. Uh, one was caught in Henderson, Kentucky, down near Evansville, and um, they, they think they found uh, some of Gillespie's clothing in that area. So the manhunt is really centered on that area. That's 350 miles from the prison. So he could be anywhere by now. Yeah. And the thing that like makes this more of a political story is that obviously the state funds these prisons. You know, these uh, the appointments to these jobs, like, you know, you work your way up in these prison systems. They're all public employees. But there were seven mandatory headcounts from the time Gillespie disappeared until he was noticed. So seven mandatory headcounts over nearly 27 hours, and they just kept not counting correctly. And I think, you know, the state legislature, I think the, you know, Department of Corrections, I think there's going to be a lot of people in Ohio government who want to know how that happened. Right. You know, it's, you hate to say this. I mean, yeah, losing the, losing two inmates is a big deal, but you know, 
if he commits some more crimes while he's out, you know, if there's more victims or something horrible happens, there's going to be a big investigation on this. Yeah. And, you know, as of the recording of this podcast, um, you know, Mr. Gillespie is still not found. So that may change between the time that we record and the time that we release this. But as of right now, they're still looking for him. Right. And he was convicted of killing um, two people, uh, uh, I believe, a ex-girlfriend and a new boyfriend or something. Yeah, they're not years small ago. crimes. So, right. This isn't like a bank robber you're dealing with. No. And you're dealing with somebody facing a life sentence who may be dangerous because he does not want to go back to prison. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Fremont News Messenger. That's thenews-messenger.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.